The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sibilance is like the, the the like hissy sort of like sounds in someone's voice. So Sibilance. Sibilance. You know. Sibilance. Can I just say, you yeah. boys, you boys are looking handsome today. I'm looking. Oh, squabber. You boys are looking dapper today. Thank you. I shaved yesterday, so that must That's be that. That's why. And Jack's. I didn't Jack's, shave. Jack, you showered. You really oh, do you just. You you really do just work that mustache though. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Come with uh, no, no strong, strong. You're too kind, Squab. You're too mm. kind. Yeah, I, mm. for some reason, I look like I have a man bun right now, but I don't. I just wore a hat all day. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Don't I? Oh, there we go. I, I, yeah, kind of. Your hair's more matted than normal. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's longer on top than it usually is, I feel like. Yeah, and I just got a haircut like two days ago, so... Yeah, but yeah, like, you know that's what it is. It's it's very tight. You got a tight fade on the side, but yeah. that length on the top in a way where, uh, yeah, it just kind of looks pulled back like you got like a man bum, which you like got like the Viking thing going on for a second there. Yeah, now not, it's just crazy. Mean. Now it's just a crazy. Now you just look. Now you just look like an idiot. <laughs> you need it to be rougher, um, like uh, like like it was a. Uh, Done with rock shears or something. What, Bob? What can't you look at? I was going to say, you can't look at this podcast because it's an audio medium. So what are we talking medium. about today? Yeah, and obviously, right now, we? you're staring blankly into an open fire because it's the 1800s. <laughs> and you're listening to, pa, you listen to your paws tell a story. Podcast. Brain-boggled yeah. fire sad. You're listening yeah. to your podcast. The original podcast, Grandpa talking in front of an open flame. And Grandpa is like 40 years old. Because that's how old grandpas were back then. Bobby, we know that's not true. I know the. I know it's the, the whole newborn. We talked about it. infancy, Listen. death brought the age. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you down. could be a grandpa at forty still. There was a lot of. Uh, there was there was, uh, younger people were having kids younger. You know what, Jack? Just but fair. <laughs> Just but fair statement. I'll give you that. Thank you. Just Thank but, but um, fair. But we're not talking about any of that today. We're, uh, we should probably introduce ourselves. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Who am I? What am I doing here? I, I'll start us off since it's, it's my episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am your Brooklyn Bridge, B. Brent. Oh, hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I can finally, um, use this one. I think I've used it before, but I'm your jingoist J, Jack. Nice, uh, nice, uh, nice. Uh, ooh, uh, I'm your, mm, by, by, ah, I'm so bad at <laughs> this now. It. Oh no! Okay, wait. I got this. I am your being able to trick people. Be Bobby. I don't know. I was gonna say by yeah. factory. Oh, that would have been good, but I'm not smart enough for that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what that word means. I just know it's a word, maybe. It's a great word. I don't know if it's applicable to this, because I don't know exactly what it means, but great word, Jack. I but think it means, we... like, <laughs> lenses, you know, like bifocal. Oh, anyway, yeah, bifactory. Or, like, olfactory yeah. senses. It's like your bifactory mm -hmm. senses. That's definitely I think, yeah, maybe I'm just combining a bunch of words. Anyway. Listen, we're about to fool your bifactory senses, mm -hmm. because we're talking grifters today, boys. Grifting 101. Yes, Grifting 101. We're talking about some famous grifters from history because, I don't know, I wanted to have a fun episode to start the year some off, you know. snake oil salesman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> last, year, last year, I think we started us off on Doomsday Prophecies, yeah. so um, I just figured let's start it maybe a little bit lighter this year. Let's just, I'm thinking, I'm just, you know what, boys, I think this is the year of the scam. I'm going to just call it right now. Mm. This episode's coming out in 2022. Um, I'm gonna call this the year of the scam. What's the your scamming, boys? Of the scam. Oh, 2021 yeah, I, I, was the year of um was the gaslighting year, and 2022 mm. is gonna be the scam year. Yeah, and Hell you know, yeah. there's a speaking of uh the new year. I just wanted to mention that we have new products on the store. All you got to do is email me your social security number, your credit mm -hmm, card information. Mm -hmm. And we'll send yes. it to you. You don't have to know what the product is. Yes, and then you just if you could just get a money order. That you send to this P.O. box yes. to help my cousin who is right now stuck in Uganda <laughs> because of a visa issue. Oh, is this going to be a segue? Is this a segue? I'm not part of uh, this. I'm not part it's of not this. like a direct segue per se. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, I mean, you didn't get the hints based on everything we literally just set up to now. We're talking about scams, grifters, and particularly some like particularly uh, fun uh, scams from history and grifts. It's from a fun history. scam, see? Yeah, exactly. Now you're getting it, Squabbert. Let's uh, jump right in with probably one of the most famous uh, grifters of all time because you probably know his name and you don't even actually realize that you know it. And it's one Charles Ponzi, which mm, you're so probably you're like so familiar. I thought you were going to say, like, Robert Grift or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert the Grift. Inventor of the Grift. Joseph Scamzaroomzy. You know, I did not actually realize that Ponzi Schemed was named after John... One Charles Ar Ponzi. John Ponzi. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's call him John. <laughs> Charles we'll Ponzi. Him John. Yeah. So, ironically enough... Charles Ponzi is not the actual inventor of the Ponzi scheme. This idea has actually existed for a long time, but he was sort of like did it in like probably like one of the most bold and like successful fashions that the whole idea of this sort of scam kind of got named after him he after perfected he did it. it. He popularized and perfected it. Mm, absolutely. So this, uh, you know, Charles Ponzi was an Italian uh, immigrant who moved to America uh or moved to canada and then the u.s and was you know one of history's most famous swindlers he had aliases he had aliases including uh charles ponchi i like that <laughs> that's uh, that real clever ponchi yeah. um carlo just carlo you know i like that yeah he's going for the the uh, beyonce uh, madonna vibe back <laughs> yeah. in the 1920s and also charles p bianchi or bianchi, bianchi. i think that I think it actually should be Bianchi because uh, it's Italian. So, but it's a CH, but I'm pretty sure it's Bianchi. But anyway, in case, well, well, before we go into this guy's whole story, let's first 
I guess for people who maybe don't know what a Ponzi scheme is, like you may have heard the word, but you don't know actually what it means. Let's just define what a Ponzi scheme is real quick. I have just so no we all idea know what a Ponzi scheme is. You know, like I, I had like vague notions of it, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. I kind of thought it was like, oh, you know, it's like a pyramid scheme, but it's actually yeah, it, a little bit different. I don't know how it's different from a pyramid scheme at all. Yeah, it, it's it's subtle, but there is a, there is a bit of a difference. So, hmm. a Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scam promising high rates of return with little risk to investors. A Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scam which generates returns for early investors with money taken from the later investors. So, basically, early investors bought in, like, oh, give me this money and you're going to get these high rates of return. And then, in the meantime, the Ponzi schemer is also trying to recruit new investors and then using the money that those new investors give to actually pay back the original investors their quote-unquote interest and this just keeps going and going and going going and going and going so it's not a pyramid scheme brent it's a reverse funnel system it's a difference there's a difference Uh (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah oh so 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 the idea with that is you just hope to you just hope to keep the game running yeah, you're busy trying to just yeah. keep the game running for as long as you can until eventually the new investors dry up and it all kind of falls apart. Yeah, until something runs out of steam and you, damn it, yeah, yeah and you go to jail for. I just prom. lost. I just lost the game, guys. Oh. Here's the funny thing with the Ponzi scheme: it rarely works out for the Ponzi schemer. Usually, by the end of it, it <laughs> tends to fall apart um, because of the very nature. <laughs> yeah. At least so. with the pyramid scheme, there's at least like a semblance. Of, I guess mm-hmm. that's why. I guess that's why pyramid schemes are still around and Ponzi schemes aren't really anymore yeah because uh the pyramid scheme has sort of like built-in infrastructure to sort of keep the money funneling to the top while everyone at the bottom is just working for the money and not getting any of it whereas the ponzi scheme is just taking the new people's money and just giving it to the people at the top and then being like okay yeah. we need to recruit more people so we can keep giving yeah, away uh, that yeah. money a pyramid, <laughs> a pyramid scheme is technically generating value somewhere yeah, whereas, it's just all at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a Ponzi scheme is just moving money around. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. Cutco or like like that knife things, right? You know, yeah, that's yeah. That's like multi-level marketing, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, basically yeah, yeah. a pon- yeah. it's basically a pyramid scheme. But yeah, so if this is similar to a pyramid scheme in that both are based on using new investor funds to pay for earlier backers. So that's the main. similar to you like we just discussed but anyway so both ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes eventually bottom out when the flood of new investors dries up and there isn't enough money to go around at this point the scheme unravels kind of like what i was just saying earlier so that's basically how we can define a ponzi scheme at this point so let's actually talk about one charles ponzi himself so like I said, Charles Ponzi was an Italian immigrant who originally moved to Canada and then eventually to the U.S. He started out kind of like in you know Canada running sort of like small time sort of weird grifts and stuff, but kind of quickly kind of like ran out of luck up there and kind of had to move out of Canada as like kind of shit was hitting the fan for him and he was kind of pulling some shady stuff. So he found himself in Boston, Massachusetts, of all places, oh, actually. So my hometown. Yeah, he's old, Good old local boy. Town. Local boy done bad. Hey. <laughs> local man ruins everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one Charles Ponzi set up a small office at 27 School Street in Boston in the summer of 1919, attempting to sell business ideas to contacts in Europe. So basically, <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to hustle out there. <laughs> I 
Uh, okay, I I understand. I under I I know that he's that he's like pitching investment ideas to them. But when you said sell business ideas, I imagine he's got like a sign out front that's like bricklaying business. Yeah, you know, I I <laughs> got it all. A sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, I've got it all set up. And they're like, Oh, and someone comes up. And they're like, You lay bricks? And he's like, No, 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 no. I I uh, I'll sell the business, the bricklaying business to you. <laughs> you know, I got. He's like, Don't like that. I got a I got a bakery business. I got. <laughs> he's just got him. He's got him ready to go and be and be sold. You know? It's like the freaking cat in the hat, dude. See, he that is businesses that's tr- out of his butt. That is the true level of late stage capitalism that we like. We're like that. See, that's like the litmus test. We're not actually at late stage capitalism yet because we're not actually selling businesses. You know, yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, cryptocurrency!" You know, the privatization of currency. That's so late stage capitalism. No, no, no. We need to start selling the selling the the business. The capital generation itself. It's like, oh, you want you want a business? Well, you gotta go to uh, Amazon's business inventory. We'll we'll see what businesses are available yeah, for you to buy right now. Oh. I'm, gonna get I'm gonna start shipping out the bi- the business. <sighs> sorry, we're fresh out of linen businesses oh, right now. I'm God. so sorry. We you can't you can't have that oh, kind of business they're hot. right now. They're hot right this now. This is a dystopian right look into the future, guys. I don't like this. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I could very much see this being a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just you just run the business for a while. Anyway, yeah. he's so he's selling things to Europe. He's so he's, he's trying. He, he's well. Keyword here being attempting to sell business ideas <laughs> yeah. to contacts he has in Europe. I don't know how successful he is doing this. I would say not very. But over the course of doing this, he received a letter from a company in Spain asking about adverti- asking about the advertising catalog, which included an international reply coupon known as an IRC leading Ponzi to find a weakness in the system which gave him an opportunity to make money. So there's basically like these like weird international reply coupon things that are being advertised in this catalog that Ponzi was pushing and then the Spanish company was just like, hey, can you maybe like do something with these like international reply coupons for us? And then he was like, huh, what's an international reply coupon? Let me look into this. And then he kind of has this uh, aha moment where he's like, wait a second, I think I can exploit this. So uh, Mm. international postal reply coupons allow a person in one country to pay for the postage of a reply to a correspondence in another country. Oh, it's like it's like when you get those letters that are like prepaid postage or whatever. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, like I said, yeah. So, it allows the person in one country to pay for the postage of a reply to the thing sent in another country. It's like a it's like a collect call for a payphone or something. Yeah, yeah, kind of like collect calls before phones were a thing. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> um, so, IRCs were priced at the cost of postage in the country of purchase, but could be exchanged for stamps. To cover the cost of postage in the country oh where my redeemed. God, he's doing the he's doing a currency exchange gambit, <laughs> but with postage. That's so funny. Yes. So <laughs> if these values were different, there was a potential for profit. So Ponzi claimed that the net profit of these transactions after expenses and exchange rates was in excess of four hundred percent rate of return. Oh my god. That so ain't this bad. was yeah. So this is what is considered a form of arbitrage. 
uh, arbitrage, I might be saying that wrong, so apologies if I am, or profiting by purchasing an asset at a lower price in one market and immediately selling it in a market where the price is higher, which was and is still considered completely legal. So technically what he's doing here is not illegal for him to do or to attempt to do. I'm gonna say so, it just sounds like capitalism. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So like he just found like this like weird loophole where I was like, oh well I could just buy these like weird like collect call stamps in one country and just resell them in the US where they're worth more and yeah. get that buku dinero, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Seeing an opportunity, Ponzi quit his job as a translator and to set his IRC scheme in motion, but needed a large capital outlay to buy IRCs at cheaper European currencies. So, Ponzi set up a stock company to raise money for from the public, I should say. Oh, not for, from this the public. is so yeah. funny. I think I know yeah. where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> so, he also went to several of his friends in Boston and promised that he would double their investments in 90 days. So Ponzi later shortened his this to 45 days at 50% interest, thus doubling investments in three months. In an environment when banks were paying only around 5% annual interest on, you know, money put in the bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's, you know, coming to his, his boys and be like, boys, Boys, listen to what I'm saying. Boys, to your you. money. This guy. Okay, not only is this guy. This guy's a. This guy is the original drop shipper. This <laughs> guy is the original. This guy is the original crypto bro. This guy is exactly. Like, listen, your cash money is losing value sitting in those <laughs> bank accounts with that five percent interest. That's literally less than inflation. <laughs> all right, losing value. <laughs> Okay, you need to be, I can be, and it's like, if you, I, if you, like, those guys who are, like, just trying to convince you so they can pump and dump, like, yeah. that's literally what this guy is. This I is some Wall Street bets shit right here, but, like, fucking analog style. Yeah, dude, oh. it's, it's human nature, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, the great returns available from, you know, these IRCs, um, he explained to them, made such incredible profits so easy. Um, some people invest invested and were paid off as promised, receiving $750 interest on initial investments of $2,500. Or, uh, uh, sorry, $1,250. So, let's fast forward to January of 1920. Ponzi starts uh, started his own company called the Securities Exchange Company. So now, is this the equivalent of, like, you know, when you say, uh, oh, I'm going to buy, like... A piece of toilet paper, a roll of toilet paper in the U.S. for a dollar and sell it for like 16 pesos in like Mexico. Is that like, it's the same value, right? Like you're not actually gaining any value. No, no, no. I think he technically is gaining value because he it's is not. Gaining value? Yeah, yeah. Because the, the like, because um, it's right. A stamp in France costs a dollar versus a stamp in the U.S. costs five dollars. So what he's doing is he's buying. So since he can pay for the Americans postage in France, right? Mm. He buys two, he can buy two stamps for $2 and send a stamp to the US and then sell that stamp for $5. So he just does. So so he can make $3 profit on every stamp. Right. Yeah. The important thing to remember about this whole like IRCs thing is that they work like internationally. So they're, they're usable in the U.S. in the same way that they're usable in Europe, as in 
right. Asia, it's, it's, South it's, America. It's the exact same reason why cryptocurrencies are so popular right now. Right. right. So, right. yeah, so the fact that you can use it anywhere but it has different values based on where you're buying it right is what makes this like such a like a particularly you know like flawed system that can be exploited yeah, in this way the, there was the flaw it's why there are like fees on on currency exchanges and stuff right right so yeah so i and th- i think the funny thing is i'm thinking about now not that i know this is true this is all speculation on my part i would not be surprised if the security exchanges commission it found uh, its origins in this because this is basically like a weird securities exchange like fraud system so they're <laughs> yeah. like oh well we can't let that happen again so let's <laughs> take this thing from this guy and now we're gonna make it into the thing that tries to prevent this from happening oh my god um, <laughs> but anyway so in the first uh month of this uh 18 people invested in his new sec company with a total of $1,800 at the time, which was a lot of money back in 1920, um, he paid them promptly the very next month with the money obtained from new the newer set of investors, like I said. So here is where the Ponzi scheme gets off and rolling. So Ponzi sets up a large off or larger office this time in the Niles building on School Street in Boston. Word starts to spread and uh, investments increase rapidly as people are like, oh my God, did you hear about this SEC? I just gave this guy 700 bucks and within in like within a month I just now I have like 1200 bucks this is wild that's hilarious that's the SEC we're, and people are getting rich we're getting rich faster boys <laughs> what are we doing so <laughs> so how do you money for me alright we're in Boston <laughs> what are, why are we Mark Wahlberg <laughs> I'm, I'm the great great grandfather of Mark Wahlberg um, <laughs> not really um, but uh, Mark whatever you do don't don't beat up a blind Vietnamese guy yeah, just don't do it. Don't just do it. Don't. And, and don't wrap in your underpants because you'll never be able to let that shit down. No, actually, you know what? Definitely wrap in your underpants. Okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Mark, Roll Mark, Mark calm down about that. You know, you should be thanking your lucky stars that the funky bunch will let you do that. Yeah, Mark, a.k.a. Victor Sullivan, get out of here. <laughs> but um, so anyway, back to the Ponzi shit. Uh, Ponzi <laughs> hired agents and paid them generously. Com- paid them, or sorry, paid them generous commissions for each dollar they brought in. Between February and March of 1920, the total amount invested had risen from five thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars, which in today's money would be about between sixty thousand to uh, three hundred twenty thousand dollars, respectively. As the scheme grew, Ponzi hired agents to seek out new investors throughout New England and New Jersey. At that time, investors were being paid interest rates, which subsequently encouraged others to invest, and so on and so forth. By May of 20, or 1920, uh, he had made up to $420,000, nice, <laughs> which in today's money would be about $5.4 million. I, I just got that you said nice. It, it took me a minute. Yeah, sorry. Because 420, nice. Um, <laughs> so then by, uh, by, January, or, sorry, by June of 1920, people had invested as much as $2.5 million in Ponzi's scheme, which in today's money is like uh, uh, $32 million. Um, wow. So by July, he was raking in a million dollars per week and rising. And by the end of July, he was approaching a million dollars per day. Wow. So this, this is like Ponzi scheme kept getting huger and huger and huger to the point oh. where like 
where in 1920 dollars there's million dollars a day coming in like dude imagine crazy. You getting a million dollars a day what do you even yeah you can't spend i mean even that. in today's money imagine getting a million dollars a day dude in <laughs> the 20s th- that must have been like i can't uh, dude a million dollars a day that's somebody i don't even know what it, you would it just feels like all that it just feels like uh catch me if you can or something like it just feels like living the living the good life for like a very well, brief like, period of time when you hear about like those those you know like insane drug lord uh uh, uh houses that were that were found and they just have billions of dollars in cash in their like walls and in their wow. basements and they're like yeah authorities found like 10 billion dollars in cash that was just eaten by rats and rotted away oh. or whatever um but uh like yeah it's just absurd like he must have just had just like that much like you ain't got a credit card in the 20s. You got to spend yeah. that cat. Well, I guess you could write a check. Isn't it isn't it a weird thought to think that you could just like find money and it's like by itself it just has no value. Like in a world where like let's say like you know a last of us style world where everything goes to like shit. This piece of paper does nothing. But if you find it here it's like yeah, you're just rich now. You just you found this thing and now you're just rich because it, it means you're rich. Like that's what it means now. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, 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 you know, I mean, you say that, but, but it's also like, it's sort of, uh, uh, on the, on the flip side of that, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard copy of, of, of a value that somebody had contributed at one point. Yeah. At one point in time, you know? And so like, and so, and so now you're just that, that. You, you can sort of see it as that way, but it's also yeah. just like, you're inheriting I mean, the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like, it, you know, there's the whole debate of like whether or not, you know, what even does that mean? But, but, um, yeah, that is, that is a very interesting point that you can just be like, oh yeah, this is now mine and now I, I have, I am now very powerful in the terms of the most important thing in the in in the history of mankind yeah it's like it's it's like is there a tax on like finding money <laughs> like like the th- i think there is finding actually. treasure I think, tax i think i think there is a like a treasure hunting tax essentially that's hilarious my so my cousin this just reminds me of like the modern day version of like finding a sack of money my cousin went into his crypto account and it said he had like two million dollars worth of crypto it was clearly a glitch. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I had friends who who had, who experienced that glitch too. Right. It's like so. So it said they had like several trillion dollars. So like you move a couple decimals in the system. Like if yeah. you if you're talking like Dogecoin, something that's not actually a blockchain. Theoretically, you could just like sell that, and you're just suddenly rich, like just because well, a decimal point moved. I, I know. I mean, I've been doing a lot of money, a lot of working, right? So I've been thinking about money you know while i'm working because i'm just because i'm because i'm like thinking about the value of my time and all that mm. and i'm just sitting there and i'm like why can't what if like the government just put out like a psa that was like you know joe biden was like all right all right jack listen jack, <laughs> listen, jack. We're, gonna, listen, we're gonna do we're gonna uh, we're gonna do uh we're gonna print a bunch of money but we're not we're all gonna be real cool about it. nobody's we're all gonna promise <laughs> not to do inflation all right like <laughs> 
Like, why can't we all just like, why can't we all just, you know, uh, all, all pinky promise real hard not to do inflation, you know, and just print a bunch of money like, out. Come yeah. on, man. Come on, man. Like, we don't want, we don't want this money. Like, it's going to be good for everybody. Just don't raise, don't raise. No, don't do it. Don't you dare raise the price of that bread or milk or anything. Yeah, it just reminds me of the story when I was like down at the pool with John Boy and Skippy. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about uh, when I was a switchblade little, fight. You know, my 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 mom my, my, she used to give me a quarter. She used to go down to the movie theater. I want to be able to give my kids a quarter and go down to the movie theater too. So let's uh, let's all stop doing inflation, Jack. Come on. Now, in the same vein, you could also theoretically say, you know, how they they say that the national debt is all just like tax money owed to the American citizens. We could all just decide to erase national debt. We could just be like, you know what, government? You're good. Well, yeah. It's Don't like worry about national, it. You know, it's like, who's the debt to? It's you know? us. We could just all I, collectively be like, we're good. All of a sudden, America well, is a superpower again. I mean, I don't know how the national debt works, but in my mind, how no the national in the mind yeah. how my na how the national debt works is when you know, whenever the government figures out their budgets or whatever, and they're like, okay, we're gonna spend ten trillion dollars on on you okay. know the <laughs> mil know. the military or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, I, I feel like the government just writes a check because right then, because what the government goes to the military and then the military goes to all their private contractors, right? Mm, exactly. And so, so and Raytheon so, gets their buku dinero. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, and so what happens is, is, is in my mind, the government just writes this big old check, you know, of fake money. <laughs> Essentially, like a sweepstakes check. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Essentially, to these, to these, you know, to these private contractors, mm -hmm. directly from the government that is just immune to inflation, right? Mm. Because the government says this is money that we agreed needs to be spent, mm. so we can just because it's like, where does the government get that money? The government get that like it's like oh the, the the like the 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 government spending is what adds to the national debt and so the national debt is just all of this money that we've agreed is not going to con contribute towards inflation right <laughs> and if it's like it's currently what like more money than 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 is in the entire world currently yeah. Yeah. like there's literally not enough currency in the entire world to pay off the United States national debt. Um, and it's like, so it's like, I don't know. Why don't we just, why don't we just forget about, why don't we just not do inflation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, this has been a, a trick boys. This episode's actually the weirdness of currency. Yeah! We finally did it. Oh, we did it boys. We got it. Oh, within, the episode, oh. within the episode. Um, all right, uh, but can continue about about about. Sure, let's uh, start, let's get Ponzi. back into Ponzi's good yeah. old that good old that boy scheme. That was a scheme. fun little tangent, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. not not entirely inapplicable inapplicable to this nonsense that Ponzi was pulling here. <laughs> but like, yeah. so Ponzi began depositing the money in the Hanover uh, Trust Bank of Boston, which was a small bank in on Hanover Street in the uh, mostly Italian North End of Boston, Heck in the yeah. hope that. In the hope that once his account was large enough, he could impose his will on the bank or even be made president of it. Whoa! He bought. Whoa. Uh, he bought. So he went and bought a controlling interest in the bank through himself and several friends after depositing three million dollars in it. That's so, so funny. Yeah. So by July of 1920, of you know that at the same year while all this is going down, Ponzi 
made millions and people were mortgaging their homes and investing their life savings into the SCC. Uh, most, most did not take their profits, but reinvested that money to try to make even more. So P- Ponzi's uh, company, meanwhile, had set up branches um, from Maine to New Jersey. So now he has multiple branches of this uh, security exchange company doing this Ponzi scheme. So now... Here's where it starts to get, um, things start to not look so good for Ponzi. So, even though Ponzi's company was bringing in fantastic sums of money each day, the simplest financial analysis would have shown that the operation was running at a huge loss. (laughs) Um, As long as money kept flowing in, existing investors could be paid with the new money. This was the only method Ponzi had to continue providing returns to existing investors, as he had made no effort to generate legitimate profits. <laughs> uh, AKA, there's no supply, no demand. Exactly. Like, so there's no just, actual business being run here. Yeah, there's no nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fucking <laughs> people it's, keep investing and keep taking that investment money and then just giving it away to people. It's magical yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So, though Ponzi was still paying back investors, mostly from money from subsequent investors, he had not yet figured out a way to actually change the IRCs into cash. Oh, no! <laughs> Which is a huge well, problem a pretty, big, for a his big part system. Of the scheme here. Come on, Ponzi. The exchange rate, but it, the thing is, you can't really sell them, per se, as much as, like, you know... <laughs> You just get that value, that added value in IRCs in the other country. So it's like, okay, yeah, so you can buy it at a cheaper price, say, in France and exchange it in America for more IRCs because it's more, the value is yeah, different, but yeah. you don't get actual money so for it. So what you're you saying just get is more you just got to send, IRCs. you got to send lots and lots and lots of mail to, to, to make it worth it. Basically. Exactly, but yeah, exactly. No, 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 it's but never worth it. It's like it's like you're never going to get actual money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like somebody it's, being it's just like, like a value. It's like a coupon. It's like it's like it's like I got twenty. I got twenty billion dollars worth a little frog statue. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, rich. it's basically it's funny that's called an IRC because it's basically the NFT of yeah, fucking yeah, the 1920s. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> there's no actual value here besides the the value. But even it's almost worse though because you could still pay money. It, it, and someone could still buy that NFT from you, I guess, and give you real money for it. Yeah. In this case, there's really nothing. You can just yeah, give you your can. money for the IRC, and then you just have an IRC now. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the only thing you can get with that IRC is potentially more IRCs in a country where the value <laughs> is different. So he also subsequently oh, realized no. that changing the coupons to money was a logistical impossibility. No. <laughs> so, for example, the the... The so for the initial eighteen investors of January nineteen twenty, for their um eighteen hundred dollar investment, it would have taken three hundred or sorry, fifty three thousand postal coupons to actually realize the arbitrage profits. So that's how many of those coupons he would have needed to actually like pay back. Oh, the the, the eighteen hundred dollars yeah, in investments they because, made because they're worth like not that much each. They're worth right? cents. Yeah, 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 cents, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and and he's got like he's got like millions of 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 dollars worth of investments. Oh yeah. He, so for so for subsequent fifteen thousand investors that Ponzi had, he would have needed to fill a Titanic sized 
are Titanic-sized ships, plural, <laughs> ships, oh, no. with postal coupons oh, just to no. ship them to the United States from Europe oh, in order to achieve the scam. God, that is so funny. <laughs> oh, he I mean, he must have realized this just like in one moment and he's just like, oh, shit. I mean, the word like it, it, clearly nobody knew like people just thought he was an investment firm, right? right. Like, yeah. They didn't know Basically. that his plan was to supply all the money with that with that post right well right. only like the, like the very like og people maybe knew that like that's like how this whole thing worked well and at that point like, it was kind of working because like you said earlier the earlier you are in the scheme mm -hmm. the, the earlier you can get out with a profit well no i'm saying is he's not explaining he's not explaining how he he's just presenting it as a standard investment firm and only the because yeah. like because anyone who who when you explain that to someone, if you were to explain how where the money's coming from to these investors, they're gonna be like, they'd be like, what? How are you gonna do that? Yeah, that you can't you can't ship millions and millions and millions and millions of those little of those of those IRCs, and then they'd be yeah. like, no, I'm not I'm not gonna invest in so, that. So I just wonder if like the first like thirty people like. Were, were fully aware that this was not going to work going to work and they were like we're basically stealing money from from the the smaller investors here yeah I, I i highly doubt those people realized that i'm sure like he like had a way of like selling the original idea to people to make it sound like oh you know like it's like a perfect system yeah. we just i you know do this thing where i get these things and i sell them at a profit here and then we just keep money coming in boys it's you know, like a perpetual around. motion machine they really yeah work. so I'm sure, like, once you get into those later thousands of investors, they have no clue what yeah, this whole yeah, thing yeah, is based yeah, off. Yeah, they just, like, hear, like, oh, people are investing their money in this place and they're getting the buco dividends. <laughs> so, like, yeah, why yeah, not get exactly. in on the game, fellas? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, as this scheme starts to, you know, start to lose its uh, steam, if you will, because they're running out of people to find to invest in this thing. Mm -hmm. um the boston post starts doing an investigation into his company which is you know sort of like a local newspaper of the time being like how does this whole charles ponzi's business the security exchange company even work so they start mm -hmm. doing like some investigative journalism into their practices and stuff and very quickly unravel the fact that this is all a big fucking scam and is literally being funded just by people giving investing their money yeah. and their money is literally just being used to pay other people. Now, I hope this invested. I hope this isn't a spoiler of later in the episode, but this is literally Jordan Belfort. Like this is the exact same thing as the Wall Street Wolf of Wall Street storyline. The funny thing is I di I did not end up uh, uh doing anything for that one. I felt like that could be its own episode. Oh, Frankly, yeah. totally. Charles Ponzi. Totally. Charles Ponzi himself could have his own episode. He's going to be the majority of this episode because, I mean, the man's the OG, so we really got to spend some time on him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and he's dapper, too. Like, I'm, look, I'm looking at pictures of him right now. The guy looks like Willy Wonka. Yeah, people don't dress like that anymore. Man, they really knew how to dress back in the they 20s. Dress. Look at, look at, I'm, I'm a proper, right proper gentleman. Dude, these um, Zoomers with their freaking hype beast and their... Um, they're all they're, they're all, uh, <laughs> thrifted. Not to be fair, Bobby, that's like a colorized. Yeah, image. I, I know. Think they made him to look like <laughs> he looks Willy like Willy Wonka on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob. <laughs> now, Bob. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's funny because like I, I watched Wolf of Wall Street somewhat recently, which is a great movie, 
and it is basically if you don't know it's the same thing it's like they're they're telling everybody to invest in these punt penny stocks and and then they take the money that people invest in the penny stocks and basically just take it and pay themselves it's like it's really it's an interesting scheme but this is pretty much the same thing yeah so obviously as the post like basically unravels the fact that you know charles ponzi is you know just running a scam and they find out about the scams he ran when he was living in canada they're like okay so this guy is just a fucking con artist and so very soon afterwards you know uh he has two federal indictments against him with uh 86 different charges of mail fraud and was facing life imprisonment oof but um was uh convinced to plead guilty on november 1st of 1920 and was sentenced to five years in federal prison um which is not very long and then he ended up getting out living yeah he ended up living the rest of his life like down in florida or something he's lucky Um, man he's lucky he made it out of that one i mean but that's so who gave all the people their money back like like what they just lost their money lose your money in that yeah i know literally this this whole scheme literally at the end of it collapsed five banks in the united states because of how much fraudulent money was being invested in or being deposited into these banks from this scam so they like lost all that money and like five different banks just like went under as a result of all this so yeah makes you wonder if the same thing will happen with like crypto and nfts (laughs) i don't know man like if everyone cashed out their crypto right now in the world is there enough money to pay all that like (laughs) Um, this, I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I think, I mean, ask that of, of any, uh, I, any fiat I, I, currency. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any fiat currency. I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah, they, so. that's why, I mean, that's why people don't trust banks or whatever, right? Yeah. I keep all my bud, my money in a hole cut out of my mattress, man. Yeah. At the bottom of it. I keep <laughs> all my money like underground in gold bars. Mm, mm, exactly Ooh, along with my hand my handgun when when mm. shit goes down yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really it's inconvenient it's inconvenient when i need to go to like buy duncan's coffee though because i have to like dig a hole just to get my you have to dig a hole <sighs> and you know you gotta you know threaten your neighbors real quick yeah. to say to stop looking into my yard i will shoot you <laughs> stop looking into my yard you're infringing on my rights you know it's just the yeah, whole thing it's yeah. just it's tiring it's tiring who's got time for that these days i, I understand how you, how you feel it. all right so uh, that's the story that was of great. one charles ponzi um that was oh, way more really, interesting than i expected it to be honestly <laughs> yeah so that here the next one here is about a man named gregor mcgregor no nice. way gregor what? mcgregor scottish he's a scottish gregor mcgregor um gregor mcgregor Otherwise known as the Fake Prince. I don't know. Ooh, I feel like Gregor okay. McGregor is a better nickname than the Fake Prince. Yeah. Gregor, come on, dude. Right. So Gregor McGregor was a Scottish soldier, adventurer, and confidence trickster, otherwise known as a grifter, mm-hmm. who attempted from nine or from eighteen twenty one to eighteen thirty seven to draw British and fresh British and French investors and settlers to Poyais or Poyais. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, a fictional Central American territory that he claimed to rule as Caique, which is um the a Spanish or I don't I don't know if it's Spanish or Portuguese. Mm. Um, it's mm. th- this place was like around supposedly around Venezuela. So I'm not exactly sure the actual language, but Caique means prince in okay. that language. Um, 
hundreds of people invested their savings in supposed Poyajin uh, government bonds and land certificates, while about 250 people emigrated to McGregor's invented country between 1822 and 23. What? Uh, to f- find only an untouched jungle where more than half of them died. What? Oh my god. <laughs> Seen as a contributory factor to the uh, Panic of 1825, which I didn't actually look up what that is, so look it up yourselves, you nerds. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> McGregor's uh, Poya scheme has been called one of the most brazen confidence tricks in history. So, um, just bold, just a bold face lie. He just made up a country that he was became made prince of. He just uh, but- knowingly sent people. He was like, "Yeah, dude, there's like, there's a whole country there, and there's we got this- a whole settlement here for you guys. Come on, just buy some land bonds. We got a place for you. We'll get you set up real good. We'll find you. We'll find you like a nice. You can get you set up in your cobbler shop or do whatever the fuck you're doing down in Poyas in 1822. This guy must have been great at accents or people back then must have just been so dumb. Well, here's the thing. So let me tell you a little bit about this guy. So, um, so McGregor was a successful officer in general in the Scottish army are part of the UK army because at that point Scotland is a part of the United Kingdom. So at that point, at this point as well, technically, yes, it's still part of that. But you know, there was a time when Scotland was separate. This is not one of those times. Scotland is part of the United Kingdom by this time. Scotland forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm aware. I'm aware. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, so this guy, McGregor, um, was basically like a general in their army and was uh, a very uh, successful general in the uh, Venezuelan War that was took place in the uh, early 1800s. So he sort of like made him a name for himself as this like really well-regarded general who won many like key battles in this Venezuelan War of, you know, English imperialism. So like he like was like an OG fucking imperialist down there in Venezuela just like running shit. And so after Yo, the war was OG wo- imperialist. Hell yeah, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> and so once he, that war was over, on his return to Britain in uh, 1821, McGregor claimed that the C- King George Frederick Augustus of the Mosquito Oops. Coast in the Gulf of Honduras had created him or made him into Caique Apoyes, which he described as a developed colony with a community of British settlers mm. off the uh, Mosquito Coast uh, near the Gulf of Honduras. Um, when the British press reported on McGregor's, uh, so basically um, he tells you know you know the monarchy this, and they're like, oh, that's great, you know, good for you, buddy. Go go be prince of fucking place yeah well we'll send you some money and stuff that's total yeah that's v chill dude like do it up (laughs) so so, um of course eventually like the people figured out this this was all kind of a scam um so when the british press reported on mcgregor's uh deception following the return of fewer than 50 survivors of the 250 people who went to the jungle and just like died out there because they thought there was gonna be a colony Uh. in uh late 1823 some of his victims actually leaped to his defense, insisting that the general had been let down by those whom had put him in charge of the emigration party. So basically, like, he, like, also, like, conned these people into thinking that, like, oh, 
these people, you know, these, you know, people who are supposed to be you know, helping us emigrate to the colony just fucked up and got us lost. And, you know, that's why, you know, 200 people died. It's, it's not because <laughs> it's not because there was no country there. Uh, right. It's because they these fucking guides messed up. You know, they probably did it on purpose because of the Venezuelan war, if we're being honest. Um, so kind of kind of crazy. But um, a French court eventually tried McGregor and three for. Uh, three others who were part of the scheme for fraud in 1826 after he attempted a variation of uh, this scheme elsewhere, but was convicted only of one, or sorry, but only one of his associates was convicted. He was actually acquitted of all these uh, crimes he was charged of with this scam and basically just kept like running different versions of this scam. You think until- he acted at his own lawyer? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. It's like, uh, what's that uh, Jack Nicholson movie that you can't handle the truth movie? You know? Yeah. Except uh, he yeah. can. Except except the except the courtroom is the are the legitimately can't handle. The yeah, truth. they literally cannot comprehend the truth. <laughs> so <laughs> they just so he just lies to him and he got acquitted. Yeah. So and he, so basically he just kept running the scam until eventually he uh, moved to Venezuela and just like lived out his life there where people there actually like worshipped the guy and like thought he was like he got like military honors when he died in 1845 at age 58 so this guy was like died like a folk hero down there (laughs) even though he was basically just like a huge scammer and just like spent his whole life after like participating in this Venezuelan war just like conning people so like the it's almost like the Venezuelans like almost like embraced him as like someone who was just conning like the British yeah. Empire. That's so you funny. know. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of the story of that guy. Just, just fucking dude who's just like, I yeah, love I'm just make my own country. I love yeah. that. I mean, I wish he didn't get two hundred people killed, but yeah, um, <laughs> that's so funny that he was just like, yeah, dude, I'm the prince of this place over here. Yeah, like I totally. love. He was probably just like. Why not? I loved. I I wish I could have met him. I bet he has such a funny attitude. I bet he's. I bet he's. I bet he's a great person to talk to. He must be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely super that's, interesting. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good, dude. All right, so we got. Uh, we got. What's we're gonna do? One more. I have. I have a fourth one, but I don't have much for him. And there, frankly, there's a movie about him. Uh, Frank Abagnale. If you've ever seen oh, Catch Me If You Can, you can baby. Oh. He's the Catch Me If You Can guy. Yeah. Uh, the main thing you need to know about him is actually like a lot of his story seems like really kind of like overblown yeah. by him and maybe like completely made up certain aspects of it. But um, he was a well-known con guy from the 70s and yeah. did run some pretty amazing cons. Which, if you've seen that movie, you know about. So go watch that movie. Great, it's good. Great movie. Um, great movie. I actually but, have not seen it. Oh, it's it's, oh, it's a, a good, good one. one. It's it's that's a good. It's an underrated classic. Spielberg. Underrated Spielberg. That's a good one. Um, that's like a once every like three years movie, you know? Yeah, Tom Hanks of his like ridiculous Boston accent he's doing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I talk like this. That sounds on top like a Boston a accent. Bo- he's trying to do Boston accent in yeah. that movie. Frank Come on, Frank. Come on, Frank. You gotta come Frank with Abagnale. me. <laughs> Frank Abagnale. <laughs> Don't you want to spend Christmas in family? Like, what are you it's doing, It's goofy as all get up, but... Yeah, no, it's goofy as all get up, but Tom Hanks, he's adorable, so... He's you, very cute. You, you, go, you go with it, so... The but this, the last guy I'm going to talk about, because we're approaching an hour now, is uh, one George C. Park. Mm. So, let's, let me tell you a little bit about... A little bit about George C. Park. <laughs> so, <laughs> George C. Park was an American con man best known for his repeated successes selling 
the Brooklyn Bridge. Hence your Brooklyn Bridge B, Brent. Oh! <laughs> oh! So, now I wish I did that one. So. <laughs> How would I have known? Um, George C. Parker made his living conducting illegal sales of property he did not own. <laughs> Often New York's public landmarks. Is this like That's selling stars? <laughs> that, uh, that is literally like selling stars, yeah, except, except like... Hey, you want to buy the, uh, you want to buy the Statue, Statue of Liberty? Liberty? Like, <laughs> we should do that. Bridge. Dude, let's sell, like, funny, let, like, I'm going to sell, exp- like, I'm going to sell uh, Mount Everest. Yeah, I'm going to sell Central Park to you, boys, okay, you know, okay. at a steal, at a, at a, at a discount. Yeah. Bro, can you imagine how expensive Central Park would be? Oh, man. Oh, cool. my God. In the heart of New York, dude. If, if you were really committed, could you, like, it's say- It's right next to Central Park. <laughs> if you were, like, super committed, could you say, like, I own, like, half the sun? Because like no yeah. one else has done that, so you could just be like, I I own it. I own everyone. the backside of it. I, I own, own the backside of it. You don't side the part I, you don't see. The backside. I own the backside. I own the dark half of the uh, sun. Actually. Oh yeah, the dark <laughs> yeah, dark dude. side of the sun. I actually oh, yeah. own the dark side of the sun. Okay, Lord Stephen. Um, I uh, I I wonder if you could if how like if you could force the United States government to make a legal declaration on the ownership of 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 a uh, celestial object. Mm-hmm. Um, what about like clouds? Like, could you could you could you buy a bucket of water and like yeah, is it basically, throw it in the air and yeah, be like, right. "That's my cloud," you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna rip a fat cloud. Oh, there you go. Vape nation. If you buy the if you buy the <laughs> the jewel pods and you technically own that cloud. I own that good one. Dude, good one. Good one. Brent, you own some bro. clouds last night, That's bro. A fucking fat clouds, bro. <laughs> um, I own this cloud and I hereby declare it vape nation. Yeah, good one. So, um, <laughs> great one, Bob. Thank great you. one, Bob. Um, so, basically, what he was basically finding like unwary immigrants who like had moved to New York and like convincing them that he owned the, these wow. landmarks and trying to sell them to him. So, the Brooklyn Bridge was subject was the subject of several of his transactions predicated on the notion of the buyer controlling access to the bridge. So basically, I'm be like, yo, I own this bridge. You know, I could sell it to you. You can make some toll booths, get some tolls, <laughs> wow. make some cash. What do you think? I'm going to, you know, I'm taking a bath on this sale, frankly, here. I just need to offload this bridge to you. What do you think? So he did this several times, which caused police um, to have to remove several of his victims from the bridge as they tried to erect toll booths oh, onto the yes. bridge. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Yeah, so Parker was Parker was basically convicted of fraud three times as a result. After one arrest around 1908, he escapes the c- a courthouse by calmly walking out after donning a sheriff's hat and coat that he had been that had been set down by a sheriff who had walked in from the cold outdoors. Like wow. this is like some cartoon shit. Like wow. just, that is like, like catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah, that really is like catch me if you can. Just pick up a sheriff's coat and hat and just walk out. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. And it, and it fucking works. Wow. It's kind of amazing. After his fourth conviction on December 17th of 1928, he was sentenced to a t- mandatory life term at Sing Sing Prison by Judge Alonzo C. McLaughlin in the Kings County Court. He spent the last eight years of his life incarcerated there and was popular among guards and fellow inmates who enjoyed hearing of his exploits. 
Uh, Parker is remembered as one of the most successful con men in the United States history, as well as history's most talented hoaxers. So, just fucking selling New York landmarks to unsuspecting immigrants. Whereas, like, Robert Durst, like, could actually do this. And instead, he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go kill people. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna chop up my neighbor's body because he knows who I am. I'm gonna shoot uh, my best friend in the head. Yeah, it, yeah. Instead of like <laughs> selling his like iconic landmarks and and buildings that yeah. he owns in New York, yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, like it really does make you think about like those dumb like little things you'd buy as a kid. Like you own the Comet A forty six B, and it's like oh, I own the Comet, and it's like how many other weird alien children own that same Comet? Like you know, bro. How do those like? what there i mean there is like the the new form of that there's that that um company that will make you a lord mm. um but i think that one is a little bit more tangible than yeah. um than than the comet one because apparently all you need to be to be a lord is to is to own land in like a certain part of england or something so it could be like a microscopic piece of land. Yeah, yeah. So there's a company that will sell you a square foot of land, um, and they they do it like for every for every square foot of land they donate. The the, the square foot that you buy is like is like a pr- a protected wildlife area, right? Uh, and they don't and they and they, and they oh, they're planting cute. tree and they're that's planting cute. trees and stuff. And so then you like legally can be a lord which i also don't understand because as far as i know in america you can't use honorifics but like on your passport on your credit card it can say like lord <laughs> you know lord lord robert briggs oh man mm. I, I, so oh, I, oh, lord yes. robert briggs the third that's that's a nice ring to it gotta say yeah. but I, so you're telling me just jack if i do this i can't like also hire a surf to work mm. that square foot of land for me <laughs> um i think uh, i think you might be granted a surf by the king oh, okay. oh. <laughs> comes with the purchase <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 the surf hey hey the surf the, the surfs are tied to the fief man all right that's yeah. how that's how it was back then all right exactly i i am technically an ordained minister yeah th- oh really yeah ah. oh, I didn't know that. so you guys nice. can do that if you want to as well yeah nice what were you saying about apartments brent before i I was gonna say I was just gonna make some dumb joke about my fiefdom, you know. I got a nice apartment, you know. I can I can get Whole Foods deliveries sent to them to my uh, surf. Ah, oh. as part of my fiefdom, I take good care of my I take good care of my surf. All right. Oh my gosh, but guys, anyway, I say dumb. we all become lords. Oh fuck yeah, dude! I think we the should only podcast. The only podcast that has three lords yep. hosting it. Are you serious? We'll just call it brain boggled with L L and L. Feeling good on a Wednesday, sparkling. Feeling good on a Wednesday, yeah, yeah, I am Lord. Brain is boggled. Oh, that was a mm-hmm. fun episode. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, I had fun doing that one. They're not going to lie, it took me until probably about 11 o'clock last night to decide that's what I was talking about. <laughs> but um, I had fun with that one. Uh, that was that was a good time. It was a good that time. Was a good time. I, that brightened my day. I, I hope everyone else enjoyed those famous griffs from mm. history. Um. If you want to hear uh, other shit we've talked about, <laughs> um, you know, maybe hit that subscribe button on the podcast mm. when whatever you listen, so you can get these episodes every time they drop every other Monday. Mm, mm, mm. But um, for like if three you can years, also, we've been for, doing this yeah, like pretty, almost 
It'll be three years. What in April next year? Yeah, twenty twenty two. Like I think yeah. March. Fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. April, March. One of those. One of. Uh, um, um, uh, one of those months. One of those times. Yeah. It's crazy. This is springtime. Springtime. The, thus the trees are born. So was this podcast. Springtime. <laughs> oh Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, yeah, go check out that. Go check out our social meds. You can check out our, our non-existent memes that I always forget to post. Uh, yeah, we got to remember to do one for this one, Squabbert. Yeah. We got yeah. a whole weekend. Yeah, we got we a long weekend to make one. I think we should just take this picture of uh, of uh, Ponzi, Mr. Ponzi, and we'll put your face yeah, on Yeah, just slap my face on there, my guy. Yeah, I'll, we'll definitely do that. <laughs> Done. Uh, um, yeah, also go check out our website, brainbogglepodcast.com. You can find other of our episodes there you can find our social meds there you can find our brain bloggled which has uh visuals and reference links and stuff to check out from each episode that we have them for so um th- th- there'll probably mostly be links for this one if you guys want to check out and read up more on one charles ponzi or arthur mecca arthur or, or gregor mcgregor whatever <laughs> his goddamn name was gregor mcgregor uh, George C. Walker, mm. you know, any of these guys, you want to read George up more on them. George R. R. Martin, the ultimate. George R. R. Martin, grifter. Ewan McEwan. Yeah, let's talk about some serious freaking grifts, bro. Yeah, Elon e- Musk. Ewan All Musk. these grifters. I'm a grifto. I've been a grifter the whole time. Oh. <laughs> I'm going bankrupt. Oh and so Allegedly, are you. we don't actually. I, it is not the official stance of Brian Vogel that Elon Musk is a grifter. His no. Companies right. are probably. But it is. Is an official sense of brain boggle that George R. R. Martin is. Yeah. So, yeah. Sense. <laughs> He's an emotional <laughs> It's also the official stance that uh, he, he oh, that it's Ewan Musk. Oh. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's time to go eat dinner, to, I think. Yeah, I think it's that. And uh, five-star reviews if you can. Yes. If you haven't already, five-star review. Yes. We appreciate it. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Yes, thank we you. And um, love you. invest in my new irc's company yeah! <laughs> called, called called brent's bront Thanks. it's called <laughs> mail back and forth for yeah. years. it's called brent mails you soup once a month but he never actually mails you the soup aha that's the scam yeah. right there mm-hmm. there we go we can pick on it okay, right. bye. Thanks, everybody bye, bye.